We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Drama. Fashion. Podcast. And who are we? That's one secret we'll never tell. XOXO. Girls Room. Hey Upper East Siders, Girls Room here. The one and only podcast about the scandalous lives of Manhattan's elite. I'm Julia Gray. Joining me is my frenemy slash co-host, Drew Haskins. You know you love me slash hate me. And our first guest for these Gossip Girl recaps is a cultural historian, tastemaker, and Chicago-based icon. Please welcome Jack Mazio. Thank you. That's, that's a lot of honorifics there. You know, we we do it for our the girls' room, Manhattan's elite. I was thinking, like, what's a way to say Manhattan's elite that isn't Manhattan's elite? I don't know how to read this Gossip Girl intro for our purposes. I don't know. I mean, maybe we just have to keep it as the source material. We might have to. Though, I well, this is not a one-to-one translation, but in last week's episode description, I referred to us Mm -hmm. as the hotties. (laughs) <laughs> which okay. is maybe something I'm that into it. There's something there's something to work with there. Well, like we talked about it last week, but hottie culture is a big part of this week's episode, I would argue as well. Mm-hmm. But hottie culture has been lost to the sands of time. And we don't say it anymore. And like I really think we should start saying it again because it's so such a great word. Well, it's a cultural relic like this show is, I think. <laughs> This show, and I mean, we can get into it later, but part of why I love it so much is because it feels like a very tail end of like Bush at Bush era horny teen culture. Yes. <laughs> um, and pre Obama era anti bullying teen culture. Um, and it was kind of like the last holding on of like being able to be like a snobby, mean, rich teen mm-hmm. and like that to be cool and celebrated before we had to critique it. Um, yeah, and I it think hadn't Hottie, gotten better yet. Yes, <laughs> we didn't have Glee yet. No, we didn't have Glee yet. That is a perfect way to put it. It really is. It's teen horny culture. It's anti anti bullying culture. So pro bullying culture. <laughs> it's kind of a perfect show, and this is a oh perfect few seasons. I'll say. Yeah, I I feel like. I maybe this is just my nostalgia goggles since we started recapping this, but I have been thinking back to seasons four through six and being like, were they so bad? But I think ultimately they were we'll so out. bad. But yeah, we'll find out. But I mean, so- yeah, the, the, this isn't a good show, but it's a good show, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, Jack, I think there's a relationship. Yeah. What's your relationship with the show overall? How'd you mm-hmm. get into it? Um, so I was in middle school when Gossip Girl came out. I think you guys were as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think I was thinking about like where it came to me for the first time. Um, And I think it was because my mom was like a really big tabloid reader and tabloids were like littered with ads for Gossip Girl because like kind of the perfect audience for this show is someone who is reading Us Weekly, People Magazine, In Touch, Star, etc. So I just remember seeing again ads of really horny teens and I was intrigued and everybody was kind of talking about it like what is this show going to be are there going to be children having sex on the CW network when they premiere this show and they I guess when we watched it they were and they weren't um it wasn't as provocative as the ads would lead you have to like believe but I was really intrigued watching it for the first time I watched it in quiet on my tv in my bedroom with my sister with the volume all the way down really low because we weren't supposed to watch it. Um, and so that was my first exposure to it. And I watched it through the whole run. And then I revisited the first like three seasons during COVID and then kind of fell off because nothing really stuck for me in that era. But, and also the show again, kind of falls off towards the end. For sure. I mean, I think middle school is the perfect time for this show to find you. Mm-hmm. I Watching this episode in particular, the second episode, I was so struck by just watching Gossip Girl, the memory of watching Gossip Girl at my friend's house after school. It is, I and I remember those ads you're talking about, like so distinctly. I can't believe we didn't talk about them last week because those ads that were just like the kind of furtive glimpses of teens embracing each other yes. with like silk sheets <laughs> and then the whole poll quote is not suitable for kids uh mm-hmm. hollywood reporter and like christian <laughs> science monitor like those were so good and you can't really trade on like shock value anymore like you could with that like but i mean i feel like if you for i mean i guess euphoria doesn't need uh an ad budget like that but I think if you advertised a show like Euphoria that way, it would still work. Yeah. Well, I think Euphoria is the Trump era answer to Gossip Girl in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I can buy that. Cool quote. I'm putting that <laughs> on the girls' room poster. <laughs> I think I think that's like a great parallel, and there's such a good one-to-one comparison between like a lot of the cast members on this show and how relevant they are in the culture today. Like Let's put it this way. I think the Sydney Sweeney, Alexa Demi dynamic is exactly the Blake Lively, Leighton Meester dynamic in that Sydney Sweeney has what I would argue Alexa Demi potentially deserves more. And I say this as a Sydney Sweeney super fan. Ooh. You know, I never thought about it like that. The fact that Alexa Demi, is that her name? Yeah. She doesn't. She is Cassie's, uh, like, counterpart in that show mm-hmm. and doesn't nearly get the the shine she deserves. I think the issue there is that, once again, ageism in Hollywood has reared its <laughs> ugly head. Um, Alexa Demi allegedly being, like, an ancient timekeeper <laughs> and not right, 27 right. like Sydney Sweeney is, is, mm-hmm. is a hindrance in a lot of ways. Like, right. I think there is... There's irrefutable proof that Alexa Demi was in the Azalea Banks ATM Jam music video as an adult. And that's just simply (laughs) not something you can come back from. 
Like, we know <laughs> we know her age. Like we do. And it's no crime, but in Hollywood, it is somewhat of a crime. Right. And was is she one of those people who on her Wikipedia page, there's not a birthday, there's like a time range? There's like seven years. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is seven, seven years and a question mark. Um, I never want to look it up. I never want to know. No. Yeah. But she's been around for, like, she was around as a cultural figure on Tumblr during the Gossip Girl era, like, in the tail end of the show, like, she was showing up in these, like, Sky Ferreira shoots and, the, of course, the ATM Jam music video, which has been almost scrubbed from the internet. Um, it's he asked her to be taken down. She's just been around. Um, and I hope she gets, she will get something eventually. I think, unfortunately, is maybe too late for Leighton Meester, but. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I'm also struck by how good she is in this show and also how she eats up Blake Lively. Every scene. Yeah. Every, it's it's shocking. Maybe she was too good at it that they couldn't <laughs> like use her as a vessel to um, project onto. They as in Hollywood. I don't know if that's true because if you've seen some of her film work um, during and post Gossip Girl, I think Blair was just the perfect role for this woman. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe that's just luck that we got <laughs> what we got from her in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I will argue that she has not had a good vehicle, though, because I remember reading in the Churchill student newspaper a one-star review of her. What's that yeah. movie called? It's called, like, The, the Roommate Girl. The Roommate. So. Yeah, yeah, The Roommate. Yeah, I saw that. I remember. <laughs> I wonder if I wrote that review. Probably not. But I remember I took like one of our peers at school, like that was gospel to me. I'm like, oh, this is a bad movie. I've still never seen it. It's, seen it, it is a bad movie. It's Minka Kelly and her. That's, I forgot who it was. <laughs> That's incredible. That oh, we might have to watch this for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Maybe on an off week or something in between seasons. Yeah, because it was like the age of like the teen thriller revival. And this was like 2011's answer to single white female was getting Minka Kelly and Leighton Meester together to do The Roommate. <laughs> Those are two people who to me do not seem to be the same age either. Is, was Minka Kelly a mom on the se- second season of Euphoria? <laughs> Was she really? I think she was. I think she was too. But wow. that also, like, Leighton Meester could have played a mom in the second season. Well, don't say that. Sorry. Well, I, mean, I know you're right. It's like just a like young to... hot mom, but... I mean, That's she that. is the age... Kelly Rutherford, when she filmed season one of Gossip Girl, was 38 years old. I bet Leighton Meester That's is close to 38 me. right now. 38, man. And Kelly Rutherford really plays an uptight like 40 something really well she's perfect on this show yeah unsung hero truly um how do you think the show holds up like watching this episode in the year 2024 (laughs) jack how do you think it holds up um i mean it's incredibly watchable still and i think like no matter if you have never watched it before, like you can come into this and be entertained by what you're seeing. Um, It is definitely much like a time capsule of that exact time period and that exact like, I don't know, level of privilege in a way Mm -hmm. Um, and reflective of like, I don't know where we were in the media landscape in that era, but I think it's a really interesting one. And I think 
it's still a lot of fun to watch. There is something very nostalgic about the level of meanness on this show. You don't yeah. see fun, mean stuff anymore. It just in yeah. in the post bullying age, like we don't. People like, do people still bully? Are there still mean girls? I'm, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but like it's girls? mostly. I think it is people on social media telling you to unalive yourself. I'm always saying that so we don't get like censored or whatever. But yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, it feels like. I don't know. There, there's more clout in like standing up against bullying on the internet nowadays than there was back then, and you can get away with being a lot meaner. Because um, I also think of this show too in relation to a show like Ugly Betty, which could never get made today. <laughs> Another incredible show, though. Incredible and also incredibly mean spirited. <laughs> Maybe that's our next show to recap. Oh, I would love it. <laughs> I would love it, especially with America Ferrera having such a big moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do talk about like, a show that hasn't held up well. No, mm, so, I yeah. mean some of the jokes are so funny, but like, I I do think as a as a bully in the late two thousands, you had there was an emphasis on creativity of insults or whatever, or like you weren't coming for someone's like argument or like position as much you were going on looks alone which is very bad like calling someone like you slutty witch bitch or whatever like that's very rude and horrible but like there is something almost a little bit mild about that compared to the deep rooted ideological and identity based hatred that we are currently seeing fair yeah not great in either case, and I do advocate for peace on earth, but if, if you're going to be mean, do so with, like, a little bit of, like, flair. Yeah. Better in the old days. <laughs> they don't bully like they used to. <laughs> seriously don't. Um, this is a question we haven't even asked each other. I don't think we discussed... Wait, no, did we? I don't remember. Well, we've talked about who we are with the Blair-Serena dichotomy, but... Jack, we're interested in hearing which gossip girl you are out of the entire show. Um, who do I really? No one's <laughs> off limits here. Am I a Dorota? <laughs> <laughs> oh my I don't God. relate to any of the main cast. Spiritually, I think that's fair. Spiritually, I also kind of um, she's like a demonic cloud that hangs over the whole show, and especially in this episode. But Blair's mom. <laughs> Mm-hmm. totally yeah i love players <laughs> um because right now like in this show or in this episode specifically she's like just in the ether like sending packages to her daughter we never see her as she's like in her transition into um the carolina ferrer or herrera analog that we get mm-hmm. in later episodes mm-hmm. but right now she's just like just her presence alone from sending a card to her daughter is haunting and that's kind of what I wish to, it's a power I want to have for myself. Something else that I didn't realize is this was probably the show is looking for who to cast as oh, Eleanor, yeah. because we talked about this last episode. The person who plays Eleanor Waldorf in episode one, never to be seen again, replaced <laughs> immediately. <laughs> they- casting. They put her in timeout. She didn't do, she wasn't given the give. 
Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, you pointed out that you think this woman was just far too young to play Eleanor Waldorf. Well, she is the same age as Kelly Rutherford. So, you know, not it's not great. It's not disqualifying, but there is something about the woman that they cast that sells the character of this like first lady of fashion so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I was going on IMDb as I often do um, to figure out why this woman is so iconic. And it turns out like most things, this comes back to Law and Order SVU. On a mm-hmm. very early season of Law and Order SVU, she plays a baker who from a young or her child's young age hits him with bread and hammer. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny. She hits him with bread and hammers so much that he develops a neurological affliction by which he is violent towards women on the street. It's really bad, oh but it's such a, like, it's so crazy. Like, she's in an apron the whole episode. <laughs> and she hits him with bread and horrors. Like, Did just... you watch the episode? Oh, of course. I've seen this episode, like, three times. <laughs> I just had not realized that that was her for some reason. Wow. That is shocking I, I, I never i never watched that program law and order oh it's so good and i hate being glib about svu but svu is so outlandish at times that like all you can do is just sit back and take in that totally <laughs> what you're watching bread and hammers and this this episode is like 20 plus years old like it's a very early season episode but was good practice for being um Blair's mom yeah, <laughs> is also evil. Evil. Yeah. Um, another question we ask all of our guests, well, you for the first time, is <laughs> who's your Gossip Girl boyfriend? Um, okay. I think if you would ask me when I was first watching the show, it would be Suicidal Twink Eric. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me now, it's unfortunately Bart Bass. <laughs> Honestly, okay, I get, I get it. I get it. Also, I going back to SVU, that actor, Robert John Burke, is like an iconic recurring character on SVU. That man has a face for SVU. He plays the head of internal affairs. Yeah, as a woman mm-hmm. who hasn't watched the show, I just, I have a feeling. He, there's a character who shows up later. I can't remember his name. Oh my God. But he also has a face for SVU and I'm not going to spend time trying to figure it out but I'll I'll let you know. I'm sure as two shows that film in New York like the crossover is fucking insane <laughs> on this. Should we recap last episode and then get into yes. this one? And then I'm going to find out who the man I'm thinking of who has a face for SVU. Okay well while you look that up I'll just quickly <laughs> uh, go through the summary. Last week we watched the pilot Serena is back from Mongolian boot camp, a.k.a. Connecticut boarding school, and Blair knows that she and Nate hooked up. Nate's dad won't let him break up with Blair because of Blair's mom, who is a powerful fashion designer who could help him with a business thing uh, that neither of us really understand because fashion and business do not necessarily mix. Dan is an invisible nerd crushing on the hottest girl in school, Serena, uh, which we love, very original. Jenny went to her first high school party where Chuck nearly sexually assaulted her, which was bad. And that is uh, about that. 
on that. Yeah, it was an eventful pilot. Uh, we were remarking last week about how it really, they, they had a lot of things to tell us, you know, there was a lot of scene setting to do and they, they did it pretty well. It is a pretty successful pilot, I'd Yeah. say. Yeah, I did rewatch the pilot just because it's episode two. I might as well watch episode one while Sure. we're here. Um, and yeah, the amount of character development that they get through in like the first 20 minutes is insane. And like, you know exactly who these people are, you know exactly what their deal is and who, what they're trying to represent. And you can just hop on the train from there. And I will say, most of them are three-dimensional characters. Serena, I don't even want to talk about her. But these are three-dimensional characters. Mm. Serena's like two and a half dimensions. Okay, and, and Nate also has no dimensions. <laughs> That is flat Stanley. That is a flat Stanley. oh yeah Nate's flat Stanley I look I, I am a Serena apologist but two and a half dimensions is perfect she's a vague woman Sure, sure. She's a vague woman. there's not I can't read what's going on behind the eyes ever with her <laughs> Oh. She like kind of swallows her words in a weird way. I don't know. I, I can't deal. I Well, can't her, deal. I mean, Blake Lively's accent and voice are things of beauty. And once again, we celebrate Dakota Johnson for the same things that we tear down Blake Lively for. And I'm asking everyone to really reconsider what we're It's doing so... here. That is not a one-to-one. No, Dakota has personality in a way that Blake doesn't. Correct. Um, okay, I will, I'll give you that. I think Blake is a little quirky. in a studied way like she doesn't have a stylist in real life she styles her all of her own clothes she does all of her own hair that to me is affected if you're a hollywood a-lister you should hire people to help you do that You really should, but but she looks I... good most of the time She does look good most of the time. I didn't really understand what was going on at the Super Bowl, but. yeah she looks like paul abdul but that was <laughs> i would say a rare mess <laughs> a rare mess well, I mean, like, Lauren Conrad didn't need to be an actress, and maybe Blake Lively doesn't either. <laughs> That's but I won't be mean. Okay. no, that's our whole thing. We have to be mean. Remember bullying? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. this is structured bullying. <laughs> Exactly. That's the whole grading system. So I think we should start. Oh, you know, what would be fun before we get into it. We like to kind of come up with segments on the fly to do like bully of the week or something. Yeah, we should do Bully of the Week. <laughs> Who is Wait, Bully did we do of the Bully Week? of the Week and Victim of the Week? Or <laughs> that rocks. because victims need to be seen and heard too, so <laughs> The week. equal opportunity. Victim of the week is such a crazy way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Okay. I think we should start with Blair for our report card. Should oh, we wait, go? we have to summarize the episode. Oh, Episode we, 2. oh, of course, of course. Okay. I'll, I'll take this one. Okay. So to the Wild Brunch happens to fall in the morning after Blair's kiss on the lips party, which we still we still don't know what that theme means. Um, I want us told us. And the only thing hotter than the coffee is the drama. I was going to say pancake bar, but that sounded strange. Uh
but incestual sounds more like <laughs> there's something very like christian siriano oh. about incestual <laughs> like oh, that's, I, I, sure I think it's not... great okay hold on <laughs> okay no yeah i'm just stupid wait no it's not okay you know what i think incestual is real but okay i support i i mean i don't support the concept of incest obviously but like either word to me seems valid so <sighs> thank you okay um so blair should we give our grades first or should we go through her whole deal first let's grade first okay and then go i i gave her a d plus because I think she is kind of flailing, but also serving. I gave her a B minus for the same reasons. Mm, okay, <laughs> you're an, you're a nice teacher, I guess. Um, I gave her a C minus, so I'm right in between you. Um, okay. her man hates her. Her mom hates her. She's a <laughs> slut shamer. Um, I give her a little props for having a really cool orange envy, but that's about. <laughs> All I can really do for her this week. I was obsessed with the orange envy. No, I called that out in my... Okay, the self... We also should do cell phone watch. That should be another... <laughs> okay, every season episode, they have a new cell phone. Yeah. Yes. But I will say the envy gets a lot of... There's a lot of envy throughout the show. I remember we... because I had an envy, so it was really important oh, to me. I was a razor girl as we've discussed, I believe in the girls' recaps, but what I desperately, I wanted an NV desperately or a chocolate, and I never got either. And they're both featured in this episode. Yeah. yeah. I wanted a razor because <laughs> it felt bitchy, and I wanted a chocolate because I think there was some, like, music element to it that was cool. They had an e- expanded ringtone library, if memory serves, on the chocolate. That was <laughs> cool. And how about the juke? Remember that? Oh my god, yeah, the little... Yeah. <laughs> There is, a, I think Nate has a juke at some point, but we'll get there. Um. We should do cell phone watch on this because like the sheer variety of phone is such a beautiful nostalgia piece. Hmm? Did everyone um. That's an email. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Call me, beat me. Call me, beat Something me. I have to say about Blair is, is just anybody allowed in her house? Like everybody I'm... just walks up into her house unannounced. Like, I'm sorry, but- if this woman, if I'm made to believe that this woman has a doorman, a Dorota, and like other various staff members, how how is Jenny waltzing? <laughs> that was exactly. outrageous. She's like, how? Also, how is how is anyone just showing up at Blair's? <laughs> I'm sorry. Where is the security? <laughs> Where is her security detail? She seems to need one. Because I, I mean, feel- Serena just shows up too at the top of the ep with croissants and uh, two bone dry caps and Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we get into that, I think I need to read the line that lives in my head. There's so many lines from this show that live in my head. Um, Blair is with her two of her minions, and they're talking about the big brunch coming up. And she says, I wonder if Nate remembered brunch. It'd be so wrong of me to show up without my boyfriend, whom I love and who loves me. (laughs) (laughs) Me thinks the lady doth protest too much. (laughs) She's insane. But yeah, yeah, I just, Serena showing up unannounced uh, with croissant and uh, breakfast at Tiffany's because that's her, their tradition. Like, I'm sorry, you're doing that every Sunday. Do you think that um, Blair and Serena have opinions on Mickey Rooney's yellow face and breakfast at Tiffany's? 
That's a great question. They don't seem very <laughs> culturally sensitive. I mean, they're barely like what I'm holding up a a pottery barn blanket that I currently have on my couch. This is the exact thing that Serena was wearing to this breakfast at Tiffany's brunch, wearing <laughs> a, a loose knit to breakfast at Tiffany's. Like, go to church. <laughs> All these people church. need to go to church on Sundays. They really do. Um, when she shows up, Blair tells her that she knows about the whole Nate thing and says, I always knew you were a whore, never knew you were a liar too, and just tells her that she's done in this town. She'll never work in this town again. And it's... then Serena proceeds to work in this that town not 30 minutes later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's working in this town. Yeah. It's like, Serena has she only slept with Nate or do we know of her having like exploits outside of him before that? I don't, I think. So I do believe that we find out a little bit more about her exploits when Georgina shows up. We should bring a gong every time like Georgina is mentioned in an episode before she comes up. <laughs> We have a really, I mean, not to jump the gun here, but there is an insane episode that in our future that I'm so excited to talk about, but I, I won't go there. Michelle uh, Trachtenberg is one of the great dames of American acting. Oh, so good. My um, Ice Princess. <laughs> I love Ice Princess. Oh my God, her and Kim Control. That is such a crazy cast for a movie. And Joan Cusack, right? Isn't that and Joan Cusack, yeah. yeah. Iconic so film. Jenny climbs up the walls of the apartment, <laughs> breaks in a window and gets in. Um, and she comes in. She's like there to return calligraphy pencils or something. Uh, is... I just, come on, sister. Basically, which is also, I don't know. Again, weak excuse. How did how did her security detail not stop her? That's fine. Um, she comes up and like kind of wants to find out if Chuck said anything about her to which Blair says no and invites Jenny to help her get ready for brunch in a very Marie Antoinette kind of way. Yeah, um, like she is lady in waiting. She's wearing <laughs> like her saloon girl corset and panties. Like <laughs> perfect. Honestly, I mm. Mm, amazing her corset is fab she looks amazing she tries on this royal blue dress uh but then gives it to jenny because the color is so last season it was and such an ugly dress well wasn't it her mom's dress too yeah uh, yeah, yeah. um but hilarious just how manipulative blair is off the bat she says i'm sure you'll find some way to repay me Hey. <laughs> I... I think my line of the episode happened or right after this. Mm -hmm. If you want to be part of this world, Jenny, people will talk eventually. And you need to decide if this is all worth it. If all this is worth it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the thing about that line also is it is repeated in, I want to say, every single last week on Gossip Girl. Every single one we hear that this is why this is a line that lives in my head. I I probably heard it more than I heard my mom say my own name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. My mom's great. But you know what I'm saying? That, <laughs> that line. <laughs> oh. There's something really like 
softly worded about people will talk eventually that like really cracks my shit up for some reason like so dramatic you need to decide if all this is worth it also what what is all this i don't know (laughs) shitty royal blue dress in a bag yeah Yeah. (laughs) i i don't know i i really another reason why i love this episode is it it's a visual feast this brunch Mm. The opening sequence when the chefs are preparing, I I just really... And they never say the theme of it out loud, but I did clock an invite that referred to this brunch as the morning exclamation point in Paris brunch. What? (laughs) Which is not quite as crazy as the kiss on the lips party, but like, (laughs) I just love that like I love a party with like a stupid titled theme, um, but Kiss on the Lips party and morning in Paris for <laughs> with so the bad. only decor being just like we have one human statue, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just women in loincloths. That definitely seems like something we can't do anymore. But no. <laughs> um, Blair is also just wearing the best outfit or best headband i should say her outfit's fine she's wearing this very cute white little eyelet kind of dress and mm-hmm. then she has this headband with a beautiful ribbon atop her head she looks like a little present she's so cute um and chuck gives her the key to his suite so she can like seal the deal with nate she's um, chuck sex traffics her <laughs> really <laughs> He's a he's a pervert. He's a straight up pervert. <laughs> a pervert in like the classical sense. Like yeah. he is, he is. It sucks. Like Ed Westwick is a gross person. We'll issue that disclaimer. But like he is so good in this world because he really does seem like pure gross evil. Like it's not easy to do that. I know. I feel like I black out every time he comes on screen though. <laughs> like I'm just like. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I I'm right there with you. Honestly, when I was watching this show growing up, I was like, he is so hot. He was my he was my gossip girl boyfriend, unfortunately. Yeah. And he looked uh the clothes on him were hideous. Yeah. <laughs> Just like white on. suit, bow tie, ugly. Yeah. Uh, I, as someone who went to college in the South, unfortunately, some of that does resonate with me is things I've put on my body and things that I've celebrated others for putting on their body. <laughs> but that was then. And this is me dot, dot, dot now to quote a great artist. And I, 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 I will say I did like his mint cardigan that he was wearing. I, I didn't hate it. I'm sorry. He, <laughs> it, he just has a swagger about him, but yeah. he's also like a rapist. The swagger <laughs> of a 2007 assailant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh no okay so Blair finds Serena waiting in the suite which we'll get to why she's there um and of course she's so yeah but Blair or yes Blair and Nate are making out on the way to the suite um and Nate realized wait this is this is Chuck's suite I love that like that ad and it's clearly a voiceover but I digress um she's pissed Blair's pissed she runs downstairs to tell Dan who's at this brunch as well about Serena and Nate's affair and everything all hell breaks loose loose yeah 
at the brunch. Yeah, and I mean, we'll get in, I think we can get into the hell breaking loose of the brunch when we get into Serena and Dan. But yeah. the <laughs> one of the most iconic needle drops of the show, like the episode ends with like Blair and Nate cuddling in bed and like intertwining hands while Believe by the Bravery mm-hmm. plays. What a fucking great song. I I have goosebumps right now. I'm sorry. Goosebumps. Just think when he says like we can either you have to try to forgive me or we can just break up and then she grabs his hand and the needle drop. Ah, that, that perfect. Perfect. Well, <laughs> beautiful, perfect. It's them against the world even though it's wrong. <laughs> It's so wrong. It's so, so disgusting and wrong. But there is something, like, there are just songs that are a shorthand for, like, teen angst and pathos. Mm -hmm. Believe is absolutely one of those songs. It's just so, like, it's so perfectly chosen. Alex Petsavas, The Woman You Are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Just shorthand Mm -hmm. for teen angst. Or, like... Soapy teen angst, the soapiest teen angst, like bubble bath. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, oh, it's awesome. I just love this show so much. Um, <laughs> speaking of loving so much, uh, let's do Serena now. Okay, I, I gave her. Oh, I guess I guess I gave her the same grade as Blair, which I, I stand by D plus. I think she she kind of was flop city for a bit. She. You know, she was all found out, um, but she, I don't know. I guess I should give her a worse grade. I don't i don't know. I'm back and forth because she lost the guy too. Yeah, I was, maybe this is just my inflation, but I also gave her a, a B minus, like dead heat with Blair. I think Serena had a pretty good episode, all things considered. Um, obviously, she lost the guy for now. Um, and she got her shit absolutely blown up in public by Blair Waldorf. But like, she was nice. She went to a bakery. She she put on a variety of beautiful sack dresses throughout the episode. Her hair looked incredible. Um, and she said many things that resonated with me. Like, what are you doing here? So for that reason, I gave her a B minus. Her hair um, is good. Mm-hmm. I support women, so I gave her a B plus. <laughs> Yay! Um, I actually, because like, she was dogged on in this episode, but I think she was never in the wrong. Um, like, so she like fucked and had a little fun. Like, who cares? And like, we'll get into Dan, but he was being such a loser about it. Like, who? I agree. It, it doesn't matter. But ultimately, like, she is the name on everyone's lips. Like, she re-entered society and is still the it girl again um even though it's for more negative connotation than it was before she left i guess and the last moment where she throws her phone in the trash starts anew is like chef's kiss iconic it is one of the most iconic things that's that happened on television that decade it's it's just perfect I also need to shout out um, Drew for saying this episode looks like it was shot on an iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) There was something very flat. I had to make sure I wasn't like my like, what's it called? Motion smoothing. Motion motion smoothing. I had to make sure I wasn't on this episode because everything looked really like 
sharp but also analog at the same time and everything looked really quick but no it was just shot like that um, it has a strange dreamlike quality in a bad way <laughs> it's like inland empire <laughs> <laughs> so serena is mad or not mad she's she's never mad she never ex- like displays emotion but she's anxious that dan hates her because um instead of kissing her after the kiss on the lips party like one might expect he gave her an awkward wave which like everyone's making a huge deal out of this wave but she thinks that he hates her yeah and the a the wave was not that bad and b you know who i don't want to kiss someone in front of my My sister sister. (laughs) come on these people these people my sister who i just saved from assault they all forget about it immediately so like so anyways like what's for breakfast (laughs) i just can't deal with it i do think the showrunners must regret that the character choice to have chuck almost sexually assault two people in 15 minutes in the pilot episode is such a like base level of vileness that it's so hard to come back from it without just pretending it never happened. Right. But, you know, somehow they manage. And I said this on the last episode, we end up rooting for Chuck. I don't know how they did it. I can't wait to see how they built him back, but he's still a shithead in this episode, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, But Serena reveals she's really into Dan because he's like smart and funny and nice. And that's, before she shows up at Blair's unannounced with her little croissants. Did they watch Breakfast at Tiffany's every Sunday? That's what That's I said. What is okay. implied? Yes. <laughs> That's I mean, so insane. That's really crazy. Maybe switch it up. Like maybe there are a variety of like Audrey Hepburn movies. Roman Holiday. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's their tradition. I don't know. These these women. Um, but we discussed all the shit that goes down between her and Blair she's done here um and then she invites Dan to the brunch after Lily practically begs her to shower and (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Serena is like down in the dumps like she hasn't showered in weeks like her hair is a mess I mean it looks beautiful but it's all like it's the natural essences let's say holding For it sure. together yeah. How she smells. yeah what what time is this brunch occurring yeah they're all up pretty early for us and like so doing full things before they, they get to this brunch they invite said 2 p.m i i, I don't I, know how i like gravitate to this were invite. you invited really <laughs> <laughs> went to brooklyn and back uh-huh. And like changed outfits before going to this brunch. <laughs> They're having a full day before brunch. I mean, I kudos. I mean, 2 uh, p.m. is so late for brunch. That's true. It's more of a late lunch, I'd even say. But yeah, it's it's like afternoon tea at that point. And the I mean, and this was a full meal spread here too. Like there was like yeah. an omelet. Like I didn't see it, but I would have to imagine that there was like an omelet station, it's like implied. a custom. Yeah, the, the omelet station is implied. <laughs> um, but she changes from her like big cardigan or whatever she's wearing into this different boho look, like a more expensive boho look. I looked it up. It's the, like this very cute blue marine. Is that how you pronounce it? I yeah. Hope so. mm-hmm. um, 
cute kind of shapeless dress with this flower embellishment on it. She looks amazing. It's per honestly could work in 2024 Oh, yeah. too, It's Serena has a lot of dated fashion. This was not one of them. I thought she looked like incredible. Um, but she looks fab. so she's furious at Nate for blowing her shit up with Blair, which makes sense because Nate just completely came at her sideways with that information. Like, there's no reason that man does not feel guilt. There's no reason for him to have said that beyond just trying to get Blair to break up with him. yeah I mean I don't know what's going on with these two but I it, there's clearly something going on between Nate and Serena still Yeah, I mean, Nate gives her a key to Chuck Sweet because he, like, lives at that hotel and does not live at his own house. Um, They can talk in private about why they're not talking. yeah, and that's what leads to the sitcom Three's Company uh, thing that we see later in which Serena's like, what are you doing here? And, and Bl when Blair and Nate come up to, like, have sex. Yeah. Um And then there's the iconic Gossip Girl line before it cuts to commercial. Um, but will it be a three-way or D-Day? I mean, honestly, Go <laughs> Gossip Girl gets an A this this week. to And invoke D-Day. but will it be a three-way or D-Day? <laughs> Just you, they don't they don't do it. They really don't. I'm choking on my own tongue. That's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> oh no. it was D-Day. Um... After after the brunch, after Dan runs out because you know. Blair slash Chuck break the news that uh, Serena and Knight had an affair. She is just trying to get him to stay. And she says, this world, it's crazy. And that is just an iconic Serena line now, isn't it? Saying nothing and everything at the same time. Yeah, that's her power. I mean, she just, she says a lot and a little with just a little. Mm -hmm. With just a little. Yeah. I I don't know. I I we we we'll touch on it more when we talk about Dan. But Dan, what an overreaction! Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Loser book reading Brooklyn types care, apparently. <laughs> I guess so. I I love that it was Chuck who ended up breaking the news, though. He like he had no business being in that conversational circle, but of course he's the one to go. Oh, you didn't hear. And then some snarky whatever. We need to look up the script next time because there are some sleeper lines that Oh, yeah. we definitely said some. I mean, three day or D day, I didn't have that right written down. So I'm so glad you brought that. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Should we oh, just get into Dan? yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, I gave him a B because I guess. I don't know. He did respect himself. Like he I don't I wouldn't care, I don't think, but he cares about what happened to Serena before she even knew he existed. Um and he respected himself and he tried on uh an upper east side lifestyle and I don't know, he saw some stuff that day and he waited in the lobby for Serena for a long time and he just had a nice journey this episode. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. 
carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I give him a B- as well. Um, there was something a little dweeby about his affect this episode. Mm-hmm. I did think it was funny when he said that Brooklyn was like the Ozarks, uh, that if, if Connecticut's oh, Mongolia, Brooklyn's <laughs> Brooklyn's at least domestic still. Um, but yeah, there, there was some kind of no sex having Teletubby behavior this episode, very sex negative. Um, I did not like his red pleather jacket that he was wearing um i think he lies like a cartoon character and for these and his sideburns are still like an inch too low so for these reasons i gave him a b minus those are fair um i will preference my grade on dan by saying that i don't like dan and i've never liked dan and he is just not the guy for me um, I gave Dan a D. I said okay. <laughs> he started the episode a loser. He ended the episode a loser. He posits himself as this evolved intellectual, but can't even handle a girl who had sex one time a year ago. Literally. Oh my God. You're so right. <laughs> what kind of progressive Brooklynite are you? Relax. I know. And then he just like did his, I think his little wave was overblown, but it was lame. And he had to take his sad little cab ride home to his sad little poverty apartment in <laughs> the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Oh my god. Can we talk about their apartment for a second though? Because it's like, what what was this before it was apartments? Because what it's just like there's, there's a garage door between him and Jenny's room. Oh no. Oh like it's like um for Chicago residents, like it's like living in the West Town industrial corridor. Like they live in like an old railroad building or something. Um I just I don't understand it's so open concept too, in a way. I don't I think all these people see literally everything they do like there's no door in the bathroom it's disgusting oh. in there oh, no. the, the also, just like the set design to define these characters it's like jenny's room has like a sewing machine and then he opens the garage door up and there's just like oh he likes books so here are some books <laughs> yeah it's very um uh literal <laughs> and then i'm i don't think we ever see rufus's bedroom this season but i would not be shocked if he lives in a guitar case it's just mm-hmm. he like crawls I, and is like see you like, i never want to see rufus's yeah. bedroom i i have no business there yeah rufus is like asexual to me <laughs> yeah i know you disagree drew well i think he's asexual but i think he's hot and those two things are not mutually incompatible obviously <laughs> like I think yeah. I think there's something there's something so dorky about him and like we'll get into that too because he did something unforgivable this week to me. Mm-hmm. But we'll Dan um, the Dan so we talked about like the the wave we talked about him like forgetting that Jenny has trauma now and so he goes to like stalk Serena in the lobby as does like next to Nate um and then this is when he starts like stammering like a cartoon character in front of lily like making up like outlandish excuses 
he also does this thing where he's like, huh, huh. you know, he like talks in this way that's so practiced. He's like, good to see you. I saw you 20 hours ago. I just, I, you know, maybe I hate Dan actually. He's it's the way he holds his lips specifically that yeah. I can't look at. He has like <laughs> the smallest lips in America in this show. And you don't see it in his like, in you like he looks really hot to me when I watch you but when mm. I watch this he just looks like a little dweeb and the way that he holds his little mouth together I don't like it no. <laughs> he's doing the classic drag queen trip in you of overdrawing the top lip <laughs> off the full beat <laughs> and uh he had not figured it out yet it's very season one versus all stars <laughs> wow I mean, there's also something going on with the eyebrows, I'll say. Mainly the position of them, like sort of. Yeah. I also think he just looks better a little scruffier. He's very, like, he's in kind of like a buzz cut with like those long sideburns do nothing for him. But like they do figure out his look later in the show. The long sideburns do make sense for his character, I will say. That's just, just such a yuck for me. Not even it's an such egg, a, it's yuck. a yuck. It's, it's yeah. a total yuck. Exactly. But he's yeah. doing it in this I'm interesting kind of way. You know? Yeah. It it, it, it's, it's certainly That's interesting because you can't not look at it. <laughs> like, right. Uh, it just, it, it, I, you, I don't know if you know any sideburns guys, but I certainly know a nerdy sideburn guy. Mm, this may be a Brooklyn problem. <laughs> He went to Penn State. Oh. I don't know. And I don't know. Good good point. Good point. I'll, I'll try to sound off in the comments if you know a weird sideburn guy. And if you know someone, we want to see proofs and receipts that you uh, told him to shave off an inch. Because you can always take an inch. <laughs> take an inch off. Take an so, inch. That's our PSA uh, for the week. So one of Dan's awkward moments is he walks in on Lily Vanderwoods in and Chuck's dad Bart chatting about their relationship that nobody knows about. So now he's just learning all these secrets after one hour in the in the you know the Manhattan elite brunch. I mean, this world it's crazy. This world. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, his big physical moment of violence in this this week's episode, because he has now two and two episodes, was shoving Chuck at brunch. By the end of the season, he will have uh, amputated one of Chuck's limbs. We can only assume this violence is escalating so horribly. Um, but Chuck was gross, so he does. Chuck is always gross, so Chuck always deserves it. Um, but then he's a slut shamed Serena, which is. That really is what it is. It is slut shaming. Yeah. But in 2007, you could do this. We're not saying it's good, but once again, it's a different time. I guess that's right. You really, (laughs) like, I wonder how people thought about it at the time. If they thought, yeah, he's right. What a, what a loose woman. I'm sure they did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like if Hottie is on kind of one end of the 2007 like uh, like girl boss sexuality spectrum we have hottie here and skink on the other end yeah for sure and i'm emphasizing once again this is a historical document this is not mm-hmm. like something that is rooted in current day real life philosophy but like 
and that wasn't a, that was a binary there were there's no spectrum between hottie and skank in the mind of the 2007s man like that I was feel, that was like, the binary i feel like it isn't a binary though i feel like a hottie can be a skank I think we know that with the benefit of hindsight, but if you ask someone in 2007, you couldn't, you couldn't be both. Okay. I believe you. I believe you. I trust you. I think we just are so progressive and tolerant that we haven't. <laughs> hey, um, bodies can be skanks. <laughs> yeah. And, and let's put that on some merchandise if we ever make t-shirts. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And ultimately, Dan just wasn't ready for a hot skank. No. No. He really wasn't. I mean... No, At least for now, he's not ready. For sure. Um, he storms out of brunch, and as we mentioned, Serena chases after him, saying, this world, it's terrible. And Dan says he thought Serena was different. Oof. And then the dramatic music playing during this conversation they're having, it, it kills me. They really knew how to score a scene in a way that's awful. Yeah. I mean, we'll... There's one music choice that we have to wait until the end for, but like this episode had some incredible musical choices. Perfect. Should we get into Jenny? Yeah. Um, okay. Jenny? Jack, why don't you start with your grade? Yes. Sure. So I give Jenny a B this week. I think Jenny comes off way too desperate um, in every situation that she's in in the beginning of the show. Um but I think she is the one playing the long game here. She is making the right moves. She's talking to the right people. She's forming alliances and rising the ranks. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to support my girl for her hustle and for making her way into Blair Waldorf's apartment. <laughs> Climbing up the walls, scaling the building. Um, yeah. I think we all agree on Jenny. I gave her a B plus because she really is. She has a goal and she's you know, she'll accomplish it by God. Yeah, I gave her a B as well um, for being essentially kind and also her Ocean's Eleven style heist into Blair Waldorf's uh-huh. apartment. Very uh-huh. impressive. <laughs> um, I also need to point out there's so many like little things about this show that are so creepy, like teen sex, whatever, and that I didn't kind of think about as a middle schooler watching this but there is a straight up close-up on jenny's feet in the beginning of the episode. there is i was like what like what are we doing that for it's just like her painted toenails crossed together like in bed and, and then they cut to her face with nothing like it's just i mean and, and and it was not just once there were a few foot shots in a way that can only that was on purpose that was not there was no that is so um upsetting i did not clock <laughs> this at all i'm always clocking a foot shot i see you that you. we like, add that what... segment at that <laughs> clock that foot shot <laughs> like i see what what you perverts are doing <laughs> i'm not nothing gets past me is I that wonder. like all we have for jenny <laughs> I mean, we talked about her calligraphy pens, which <laughs> I know calligraphy is an ancient practice, but it is also a very 2007 kind of thing too. Like girls, like if you were like a freshman in high school in 2007, you were so into calligraphy. Um, she gets hydrangeas. 
to clock oh, yeah. to copy Blair. That was nice. I love I love the thanks, they're hydrangeas. That's Blair telling too. And also most of them weren't hydrangeas. No in their little floral I, setup. Mm-mm. Yes, when they panned another thing I didn't realize is upon watching it as a middle schooler, they panned down and there are maybe like four hydrangeas in that arrangement. <laughs> hey, they're expensive and bulky. <laughs> like if you're trying to get that tight shot, include the feet and the shot from above. Like you gotta have a small bouquet. Yeah. Small um, bouquet, small feet. Um Blair, she also tells Blair about Dan's cabbage patch kid named Cedric that comes up later. I like what what I didn't and, understand any of We didn't need that. And Dan got so mad at her for te- who cares? Why do any of these people care? I will say between last week and this week, by and large, the Dan Jenny scenes are completely unnecessary to me. Like when they're at like Bendel's last episode and then this one, I'm like, we're talking cabbage patch drama now. Like, come on, like, edit, edit, edit. Like, they just needed to get the foot shot in there. <laughs> like, well, they needed it for like a Blair read later on about how he has a cabbage patch kid that was weak already. So we could have just cut the whole thing. Yeah, yeah come on. Not very tolerant of her. Maybe I'll I'll revisit my Blair grade for cabbage patch shaming. Yeah. <laughs> um. Should we do Nate? Ugh, yeah, God. Mr. Flat Stanley himself. Yeah. Um, Your disdain yeah. for Nate is, or for Dan is my disdain for Nate. Yeah. Okay. Jack, what, what was your grade? I gave him a C because he's neither here nor there. He is a Abercrombie bag floating in the wind. Like <laughs> <laughs> Nothing really comes out of him. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Oh, except like, did he really think that inviting Serena up was going to go well? Like, what did he expect to come out of the situation that was positive? Yep, that was. I gave him a D for dum dum this week because he he was not thinking clearly, and he almost never is. Um, yeah, yeah. I gave him a D for dum dum as well. Like he he we start the scene he wakes up hungover on chuck's couch next to a pile of poker chips um <laughs> chuck's in bed with two ladies but i'm sorry he can he do anything right like he wronged his woman and now he's just forgetting brunch like come on and and, and asking serena to meet him in the hotel room so they could f- chat in private i just chat in private when they were already chatting in private they had they had a place to chat in private <laughs> say that yeah that was a huge hotel hallway. lobby that was a huge hotel lobby i i really i this flat stanley is is all all the juice all the swagger is all blair's and i guess none was there for nate i think i also just have to say that his dad is even dumber than Nate is for thinking that Nate is any sort of asset in a corporate merger. That <laughs> place that much responsibility on your 16 year old son with like clearly not very much going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it does not speak to a high degree of emotional intelligence on, on the part of his father. No, the Archibalds. I don't know about them. <laughs> it's a long lineage of dum-dums. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so as we mentioned earlier, he waits for Serena in the lobby next to Dan. 
Um, and that's kind of it for Nate. Yeah. That's kind of it for for our boy. Yeah. I just, uh, he's just, I like Chase Crawford as a person and a hunk, but I just don't think that this character is very, it's just, he doesn't pop. No, I mean, he is a hunk and that's that's all there is. And like, say what you will about Chuck, but Chuck does pop. He pops. I mean, exactly. And that's why, moving on to Chuck, awesome segue, I gave him a C. Like, he's he's awful, but he pops. Yeah. I, I mean, it could only go up from last week to this week with Chuck. I gave him a C- minus because... He is giving kind of friend of in the housewives energy. Like he like is always on the periphery trying to like get in everyone's business and like blowing up people's shit. It's it's a little friend of. Um I thought it was insane that the the two women that he wakes up with in bed at the beginning of his the episode are two like hotel staffers. And he says to one of them, like, my dad's going to be very pleased to hear about the service here. And I'm like, you gross yeah. pig person. Like, <laughs> that's so, but yeah, C minus seemed appropriate. This week. I liked the card again, this previously stated. Yeah, I gave him a C minus as well, because while his um, little tryst with the two Tate McRae-esque maids... <laughs> Um, in the hotel was gross it was at least consensual which is better than last week um they're for putting on their little paisley vest to go work the brunch i guess that (laughs) they're going to later um ultimately i think he's like a little rat who lives for drama and he did stir it up a little bit this week so gotta hand it to him when he gives it Yeah. yeah i really um I need to clock him making a smoothie after they wake up hungover with just two ingredients. And those are, or maybe three, three, matcha powder, San Pellegrino sparkling water, and a tincture, an unnamed tincture. I thought he was microdosing. Oh, that's I assumed so. Okay. But well, it was so early for microdose culture. And it also wasn't a microdose. Oh, maybe it was a research drug then, like crocodile or something. <laughs> Why do we think that? Were, were there context clues or am I just, did I miss something? When I see the eyedroppers come out like that, I think research drugs <laughs> or like silence. I think of the movie Climax. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That would make sense. Of course. What am I thinking? It's like vanilla. (laughs) (laughs) He gets out like the imitation vanilla extract and just like dashes it in. I think matcha and San Pellegrino is a crazy combo. What? And why in a blender? I don't. Maybe he had taken the tincture already and thought he was doing (laughs) something else because that's really all I can explain there. I also like. I like that as a kind of show of his wealth that he's just, instead of using normal ass water for your smoothie or whatever he's making, is using bottled San Pellegrino water. Yeah. Funny, funny choice. Yeah, I liked that he was, I mean, he was very violent and aggressive this episode. I didn't like that, I guess, but I like yeah, that he I is like always willing show. to throw down. Like, right. 
I, but also he will get his shit rocked every single time. Like showing up to the morning in Paris brunch that was at 2 p.m. with that the biggest black eye I've ever seen. Like I have seen less prodigiously sized black eyes after actual UFC fights. (laughs) As Bart said, it was black tie, not black eye. Mm -hmm. Um. But Shady boots, that, Bart. Shady <laughs> boots. Really, Bart needs he needs to join the main cast. Um, but he is Chuck is in everyone's business at brunch. He's staring at Dan from across the room constantly, and yeah, as we said earlier, he's the one to break the news to Dan about Nate and Serena. And I think, Drew, your point about him being friend of is so funny and true. He is lingering and really trying to get on main cast, dropping little little bombs wherever he can. Yeah, he's Marlowe. <laughs> but ultimately, like, you can smell the desperation and loser on him. Yeah. Yeah, I have a tough time believing that Nate and Chuck would ever be friends. And, like, I don't know if the show ever does a good job justifying that, but um, they're just two guys who know each other, two rich guys who are in proximity, which I guess is more than a lot of people. That's enough. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, Lily and Rufus. So, (laughs) Lily, I gave a D. I wow. have no explanation for that. Okay, <laughs> vibe is vibe there. I gave her a C plus because her hair looked insanely good. She just looked good in general. I thought her line that when she goes to visit Rufus in Brooklyn, <laughs> um, and she says that she's afraid that someone will hold her down and tattoo her was so funny. Um, but yeah, she she's being made a mistress of by Bart, which is sad. So. Yeah. Well, she has a beautiful hotel room, I guess, to show for it. Um, I gave her a C because I like that she has both her wealthy daddy and her down and dirty Brooklyn man. Um, she gets a little taste of both. Um, also, I, I can't look at her for whatever reason. I guess it's because Dance Moms is back in the zeitgeist, but she reminds me of Christy from Dance Moms, but like if she were chic. <laughs> oh. oh my god wow great great reference great callback that is not making me think highly of lily as much so i'm gonna have to put that out of my mind a little bit (laughs) but uh, dance moms is also like sidebar in the culture again in a very big way it comes back every few years yeah i've just been seeing a real uptick in and memes and like just people being like Abby Lee Miller will answer for her crimes at the kingdom of heaven like that sort of thing <laughs> and she will but and she will as um, always I think we got to finish up with Rufus God, um, a dud. we learned that uh, Rufus and Lily were dating oh, oh, yeah. oh yes we we learned that I think in this episode I think that's when it is apparent that they yeah, used. like back in the '90s when his band was big, and she was like a groupie pre-Serena. Like I don't know how old any of these people are. It's very ambiguous. Um, but yeah, uh, we said this earlier, but Lily is now dating Bart Bass. Yeah, but on to Rufus. 
when he calls her Lil, it feels so dirty and disgusting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was so dirty. I gave him a C minus because the flannel stripe blazer with the purple sateen cufflinks. Mm-mm. Horrible garment. I can't, I don't even know how they sourced this for the show. It's one of the ugliest pieces of outerwear I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, it really wasn't doing anything except upsetting me. I I don't know. I, I do feel like Rufus is just constantly upsetting me. Yeah. Not much to not much to love there. I gave him a D. Um, I think someone needs to give him some pomade. Um, but I did I did write down the one quote that he said, um, this is Brooklyn Lil, not the warp tour. <laughs> I did love that. <laughs> like he sounds equally out of touch when he says that. So funny. Yeah. Because Brooklyn is warp tour in many ways. Like there's a scene <laughs> yeah. like yeah, especially these days, like whatever wave of emo we're on now like it's definitely yeah. uh has its roots there but wherever they are they're they it looked like they were in park slope or something they they certainly no one is going to hold lily down and tattoo her for whatever she says yeah um i feel like honestly ending on lily and rufus is such a nice kind of palate cleanser mm-hmm. they're so and there will be episodes where they give more, but they give so little that it's kind of a nice way to wind down and go into our final segments. A little digestive. <laughs> yes, it really is. That is, It's the much-needed Amaro beverage. Exactly. And especially because, well, first hard. segment, Needle Drop of the Week was a real meal this week. We got so many iconic songs like to pick from from this episode oh my i i had to list them all i mean i do my pick is believe by the bravery playing us out um serena walking in slow-mo down the street throwing her lg chocolate into the trash i just i'm sorry to be i'm sorry i took that kind of rude you know we have a guest when you have a guest in your own home, you don't take like the final piece of cake or whatever, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm sorry I had to. I support you in that. I mean, it's it's the perfect choice. And also just like the fact that she threw away her phone because like the the thought of deleting a picture of Blair was just too much for her that she's just like, we gotta we gotta start new. I just throw away the whole thing. <laughs> it's I remember watching that moment in real time with that song, and it really is one of the indelible images from that era of culture. Mm-hmm. And a very early exposure, and this word is thrown around too much, but a very early exposure to camp. It's camp. It's genuine, real camp. Genuine, real. Yeah. Jack, what was your needle drop of the week? Um... So my runner-up, just because I have to mention her while we can, um, they did have a Joss Stone needle drop while they're walking <laughs> into brunch. Um, oh I think Joss Stone is someone who has been lost to culture for a little bit. Um, one of the pioneers of, like, what is the race of this person singing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so also that song kind of slaps. So 
But my actual go-to was also at brunch. There was a gym class heroes drop (laughs) at brunch that just like feels so Tony Hawk video game. Um, I don't know. It just set the scene for this group of kids so well and loved it. That is, yes, that song. What I don't know what what it's called. Uh, The Queen and I. Queen, of course. (laughs) Queen and I is so of that time in such a perfect way and it, it's like not I feel like it wasn't their biggest song so it was kind of like a little left of center I don't know I thought it was so perfect it was queer <laughs> yes it was extremely queer oh wow I can picture I think his name was Travi or something I Travi McCoy yeah he's so clear in my mind he had that Monroe piercing anyway mm-hmm. oh my god I wonder what he's up to these days I would love to know. I hope he's working. I hope he's like doing some songwriting or something. Yeah, he's gigging around somewhere. Um, My runner up would just because it's such a good song and I was like, oh, I'm glad this is in here is When Did Your Heart Go Missing by Rooney. Incredible tune. I could not hum another Rooney song, but that one song is so good. Perfect little power pop song. (laughs) I cannot believe we've made it through this segment so far without here talking about the use of shut up and drive as a recurring like symphonic late motif they they drop it like it's like a real movie score but it's just shut up and drive it's like the psycho like <laughs> i was hackling every time it came on during like a somewhat serious moment oh good i mean it's a good song the, too the first yeah. time they played it was like in a pre-commercial montage of what was going to happen post-commercial. <laughs> that felt crazy to watch. <laughs> that gossip girl's voiceover. Here's what's on the menu, and then sh- <laughs> shut up and drive playing as with they little splice what clips the- of what's coming up. Yeah, after the commercial, that uh, just of its time, and what an effective uh, method. Honestly, I was tuning in. How could you not? <laughs> How could you not? And like that that song is so it's like a perfect pop song because it is so like stupid (laughs) and to like use it so repeatedly as like like we're accelerating through this plot like I just you have to love it you just have to love it like Alex Pitsov is once again incredible work this week yeah we we can't move on I don't know if we talked about this during our recording or before our recording but we can't move on without giving an honorable mention to Hit Me Up by Gia Farrell. Oh, thank you. I think of the episode of the chef's chop chives or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's that's how it starts. This episode yes. started with a cooking montage. A chef's table montage to Gia Farrell's Hit Me Up. Come hit me up. Come <laughs> hit me up. Wow. <laughs> the endless impact of the Happy Feet soundtrack will never go unnoticed in my home. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, for me, outfit of the week this week was clear. It was Lily's gold skirt suit. She looks so good. I oh. thought the fashion, by and large, was pretty bad this week. Otherwise, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and politely disagree with you. It wasn't the best fashion week, but there were some looks. I did love Lily's gold skirt suit paired with those little sunglasses. She looked amazing. But I think. Blair's like mesh white robe with her corset panty combo and her orange envy just just wear that the whole episode 
That was my I outfit. Yeah. I thought that was stunning. My my outfit of the week is a little obscure um, because this is a non-speaking character. Um, <laughs> but there's a moment before um, Serena and Nate go up to the hotel room where they're still talking in the lobby where a woman that looks like Dorinda Medley walks through them in a Chanel suit and she was serving. No, I know immediately who you're talking about. This is why we have you on. Your eye for detail is just impeccable. impeccable. I clocked her immediately and I looked up to see if it was anybody of note and I couldn't find anything, but... We need to find her. Yeah. Have her on this podcast. A whole podcast, the search for woman who walked between Nate and Serena. Someone's got to know. <laughs> Someone's got to know. We have to put out the call and we have to find her. I hope she's still with us. She was pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she served cunt and she died. Yeah, you know. She, well, she maybe died. lived. We don't know, though. So. <laughs> um, to do best line read. I, yeah, we talked about a lot of them, I think. I have one more. Oh, okay, you go Ooh. first then. <clears throat> Mine is also from Gossip Girl, who, again, doing a great job this week with the interstitials. Um, she says, some might call it a buster cluck, but on the Upper East Side, we call it a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> that That's uh, unbelievable. Another one that I'm sure just went over my head, but so funny. This show is so funny. Funny. I I like to think that Kristen Bell writes all those herself. <laughs> Just uh, alone in her room, kind of yeah. character style. Buster Clock is so funny. Um, I think for this segment, we you did a great job, and I think we need to follow your lead by reading our line read exactly how doing our best line read of the line. Okay, all right, I'm gonna go first. If you want to be part of this world, Jenny, people will talk eventually. And you need to decide if all this is worth it. Thank you. Incredible. In my line of the week, um, from the doorman to Dan about Serena. Once she went out and didn't come back for three months, but you feel free to wait. That over was... there. <laughs> I'm applauding. That was great. That I'm so glad you called that out because that is deserving of attention. That line, yeah, it was. It's rare that like characters get one line and then go away on the show. They really pare down the supporting cast mm-hmm. pretty neatly, especially in this first season where like the budget's clearly not as high as it would get later on. Um, but it's nice to see a character actor making a meal of his 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 work. Yeah, absolutely. Bully of the week, victim of the week, our brand new segment. Yeah, <laughs> right episode. now. Um, I think my bully of the week was Blair, and my victim of the week was Serena. Mm. For reasons we kind of outlined, but like, and we're not bully can be a good thing, and victim can be a bad thing. I just we need to. There are gray areas and everything here, but Serena is kind of in many ways the ultimate victim of the week she's the most put upon woman on the upper east side um Mm. and blair's reading skills are incredible Hmm. it's hard to argue with that yeah i think it's definitely the victim 
I mean, any of them can kind of be thrown into the bully mix, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think, I think maybe I'll give it to Chuck for bully of the week. He's just stirring the pot. Yeah, I could. That's that's a great answer too. I, oh my god. Um. All right. Our final segment, not necessarily Gossip Girl related, but XOXO, the cultural thing outside of Gossip Girl that we want to recommend this week. This is really tough for me, um, because I didn't think about it. Okay, Jack, do you want to go first then? Sure. Um. So mine is something that just came out today. So there is a cover story and profile about Solange in Harper's Bazaar this week um, that's actually really interesting um, and kind of goes into like her perspective on creating art um, and like what it means to her and I don't know I mean I'm so intrigued by the whole Knowles dynasty always I mean it's so hard not to be but like with Beyonce being so like the like taking culture back for herself in such a commercial way and Solange doing that like in a similar way but not giving a single fuck about like streaming numbers or anything she doesn't really care if anybody listens to or experiences her art she just wants to make it and it's really cool to like explore the dichotomy between those two and then like also the interviewer talking about just like how she is as a person and how she holds space for people and attention is really intriguing as well. I love that. Mm -hmm. I need to check that out. I didn't even see that happen today. Mm. Um, My pick is similarly highbrow and academic. My pick for my XOXO is Jennifer Lopez's new film. This is me now available to stream on Amazon prime. Um, It is a 49 minutes of actual film and 16 minutes of credits. Um, (laughs) Fantasia. It's like a a rock opera about her upbringing, her relationship with the concept of love, horoscopes, um, the power of generative AI to enhance sets in character building in, in music video. Um, And above all is about Jennifer Lopez, uh, the artist herself it is a titanically misbegotten vanity project. I cannot believe she spent $20 million of her own money on this. And everyone said, don't do it. And she did it anyway. And somehow got Lauren Sanchez and Jeff Bezos to spend $20 million to acquire this. Incredible. She came out net neutral. Jennifer Lopez is one of the three or four best celebrities we have. XOXO Jennifer Lopez. That's why I have to say this. Week. Oh, okay. Beautiful. I feel can't get myself to watch it so the the main issue with this is that the music is really bad if she should have just made this a like greatest hits kind of thing and not like all the music in it is unlistenable and i like a lot of jennifer lopez songs but this is not a seminal work from her showing yeah um yeah that's i mean i feel like i need to like get high and watch it because it seems like something I need to laugh at right yeah I mean I watched it at 8 30 yesterday morning <laughs> stone crazy. cold sober while doing work so I I don't know I think it's different strokes for different folks okay yeah that actually it might be like a good laundry show show movie show, film. show. I well you can't 
it's it's not quite a movie and not quite a film either. It's a project. I think that's the only word for <laughs> it's it. It's an experience. Yeah. Um. Okay. You know, I'll report back. I'm gonna think about watching it. Okay. Think about consuming it. Um. I okay. So I the other night watched The Iron Claw with uh, Zach Efron, Harris Dickinson, uh, Jeremy Allen White, and I really enjoyed it. It had its flaws, but it was a really interesting story and also a really devastating story and about family and brotherhood and uh, trauma. And I liked it. I also watched Love is Blind season six. <laughs> and wow, I I recommend both equally, if I'm being honest. We have to take that season problem. six. <laughs> they churned those out pretty quickly. And I haven't watched since I, I watched the first season in a curious kind of way in 2020 dark time. And I haven't watched again until now. And you know what? Great time to tune in. This is you now. <laughs> this is you now that's, that's what I'll say. Bang. Well, what an episode. Good stuff. Good stuff. Jack, thank you so much for being here. Um, if you would like to be found on social media, where can people find you? Um, sure. I am on Instagram as Jack underscore Mazio, M-A-Z-Z-E-O. And then I am on Twitter as Hoanna Newsom, H-O-E-A-N-N-A Newsom. Gorgeous. Um, Julia, what's our TikTok handle again? Okay, so it is under my personal TikTok handle now. Um, maybe I'll change it. We'll have to decide how to do it, but we are making TikToks. I'm everywhere at Julia Gray. Okay. The letters. Okay. Um, G-R-A-Y. Sometimes people mess it up, but we're, we're doing some low budget TikToks. I feel like I need to just learn how to do um, TikToks like the other girls are doing it, but I don't know. Until, Until then you just get our raw personality. Which... And it's nice. We have nice raw personalities, so there's no uh, no shame in that. Um, and if we had wanted to learn video editing, we would have gone to Pace University. So sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> um, and you can find me on Twitter at FKPigs with a Z. Um, and please leave a nice rating, review, uh, subscription. <laughs> leave a subscription on uh, anywhere you get your, your podcasts. And you know what I'm realizing is we have a perfect sign-off. XOXO. Oh, XOXO. XOXO. Bye, everyone.